Welcome to the North Point Community Church Podcast. We're so glad that you've chosen to be part of creating a Christ-centered, culture-changing community. For more information on North Point or any of our other ministries, you can visit our website at www.northpoint.ccpeople.com. We hope that you enjoyed this inspiring word from our pastor. (laughs) Amen. Let's pray. Father, Lord, in these next few moments, I just ask that you would open up our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our mind to understand a heart to receive everything that you have for us in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. If you've been here on uh, Wednesday nights, Destiny started uh, a series uh, entitled Epic Falls, uh, going through the Bible, the the, the, the epic falls of the Bible. And um, she started, obviously, with the very first fall, the fall of mankind in Genesis chapter 3, talking about Adam and Eve and uh, and that that fall. And And then she talked about Noah, Last week, and when she was talking about Noah, she was talking about uh, living in a fallen world, in a fallen society. Sin was rampant, but there was one man, a righteous man named, named Noah. And uh, he, you know the story of the flood, and he was saved. And, and the, the point of that is that although the society around you might be sinking, you don't have to go down with the society. Although the society might be, might be falling and might be failing, you can live righteously. You can be like, like Noah. And, uh, and so tonight, I'm, I'm just going to con- kind of continue on this, uh, this series. I really kind of hijacked it um, uh, uh, and just told uh, Destiny, I was like, I just got something to say. And so, uh, so we're going to be talking about that tonight, and we're going to be talking about Epic Falls. Uh, but, you know, this is the thing that we all need to understand tonight, is that, that the enemy wants nothing more than for you to experience an epic fall. Jesus gave us a clue when Jesus was talking about the enemy, and he said, the thief. Never want a thief that wanted to give you something. I've never, never met a thief that was for you. They are always trying to take something from you. And so when Jesus wanted you to know something about the enemy, he said, the enemy is a thief. The thief comes, and then he wanted to further explain it to you. So if you didn't get that key word of the thief, he wanted to explain it to you and say, this is what the thief comes to do. The thief comes to steal from you. He comes to kill you, and he comes to destroy you and everything around you. That is why the thief has come. And so the enemy is not, is not playing fair. The enemy wants to come in. And what does the enemy want to do? He wants to steal your family from you. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to come in and take your integrity. He wants to come in and, and, and he wants to, to ruin your reputation. Okay, that's what the enemy really wants to do in your life. And ultimately, the thing that the enemy is really after, the enemy is really after your faith. That's what he's really after. And so he, he, might, he might get you in a weak moment and steal a piece of your integrity. He might, he might get you in another moment and steal some of your morality. He might get you in another moment and get a little destruction, get a little stealing there. But what he's really after is your faith. Because we all know the story of Simon Peter, the disciple. And, and, and Jesus told Simon Peter after, he said, look, you're going to deny me. Uh, you, you're going to say that you don't even know me. Uh, you are going to curse me. But here's what I want you to know. When you have turned back, I want you to strengthen your brothers. When did he tell him that? After he told him, I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. Yeah, I'm not worried about you. I'm not worried about what you're going to say that you don't know me. I'm not, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not all been out of shape because you're going to curse me. Here's what I want you to know, Peter. This is what the enemy is really after. He's after your faith. And I have prayed that your faith is not going to fail because, it, because God knows you're going to fail. God knows that you're going to get in the bind one day and you're going to tell a lie like you've already done. <laughs> okay, God knows. God knows. But here's what, God, here's what God's praying. God's praying that your faith would not fail. Because if your faith doesn't fail, then you can always bounce back again. Because this is what the scripture says in Proverbs 24, 16. It says, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. Understand what the scripture is saying. It, it says it doesn't say that a person will fall seven times. It doesn't say that the wicked will fall seven times. It says the godly or the righteous man, that man will fall. That woman will fall seven times, but they will get up again. You see, if you fall seven, but you get up eight, you're winning. You're winning. If you're always getting up one more time than you fall, you're, you're winning. And, and this is what we need to know about, about falling is that, is that falling is, is a fact, but falling doesn't have to be final. 
Okay, final doesn't have to be, failing and falling, it does not have to be the end for you. You can do something that you said you would never do and you can still come out of it. You can let yourself down and let everybody else around you down, but if you keep your faith alive, you can come back out of it because failing doesn't mean that it is final in your life. You know, actually, I was just thinking about this, and, and, if you, and, and I've never thought this before. I just started thinking about it today. I mean, if you fell down, it says you fall down seven times, you know, and you get back up. It's like a faith exercise, right? I mean, you just keep falling down, and you just go ahead and get you a little push-up and get right back up. And what what is it doing? It's building your faith. Every time I get up and say, man, I'm going to get back after it. I'm going to get back. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to be righteous. I'm going to be godly. I'm going to overcome. I'm going to win. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. You keep getting back up. It's like an exercise of faith. The more exercise you do, the stronger you're going to get. So you, you have to see it tonight. You've been looking at every time you falling as failure, but God says, no, let's flip that around. That's a faith exercise. Every time you get back up, you're a little bit stronger. Every time you get back up, you're a little bit more ready for the next test, a little bit more prepared for the next temptation. Why? Because I have been falling, but I've been getting back up. The only time we lose is when we fall and we stay there. Uh, let me let me just give you. I'm, I'm going to give you four reasons. So I really hijack tonight and next Wednesday because there's absolutely no way I'm going to get through four points tonight. And so uh, you have to come back if you want all four. But I will give you the first two tonight. Four reasons that we fall. Four reasons that we fall. We're talking about the epic falls of the Bible, and 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 we're we'll, we're going to go through we're going to go through that. But here's what you need to know. Why why do I fall? I mean, that's what, that's what I need to know. Why? What do I need to be looking for? Why, why is this happening in my life? Why am I falling? And here, here's the first reason that we fall. Focus. 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 I, I'm going to give you a few things uh, that, we, that, that, that we focus on um, uh, when, when we fall. When we start, focusing, uh, we start focusing on the wrong words, okay? We start focusing on the wrong words. Words are coming at us every day. Words are in our head. Where our world is made up of world of, of words. The, the person that said, um, "You know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but your words will never hurt me." That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Because words hurt. Everybody understands that. The Bible even says that the power of life and death is in the tongue. Okay, words are powerful. And so what happens is, is one of the reasons that we fall is we start listening to the wrong words. Here, here's the, the first battle of words that is happening. You got God versus the devil. God versus the devil. Here, here's, uh, this is what the Bible says in John 8, 44. Jesus speaking. He says, you belong to your father, the devil. He's talking to the people there. And he says, you, you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. There's no truth. He says, there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and he is the father of lies. That, that's what Jesus said about the devil, the thief, the one who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But what did Jesus say about himself? Jesus said this, I am the way and I am the truth in John 14, 6. I am the truth. He said there is no truth in him, but I am the truth. I don't just speak true words. I am the truth. Everything that comes from me, it is always built on the rock. It is always solid. It is always truth. And so what, what, words, what words are we focused on? Are you focused on the words of the, of the Bible that are the truth? We know that Jesus was the word of God and the word was with God. So he is everything. He is every word in the Bible and then some. So are you focused on what God has said about you? Are you focused on what the enemy is saying about you? Because don't think for a moment the enemy is not talking to you. It's not trying to get you to believe some things. When God says you're more than a conqueror, what does the enemy say? The enemy says that, no, that's for the person sitting on your left. 
Whenever, whenever the Bible says that, that God wants to open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing, the enemy comes and says, well, that's not really for you because you remember what you said last Tuesday. That must be for the person on your right. That's what the enemy comes to say. Whenever God says, no, I, you don't understand, I have called you, and because I have called you, I will equip you. And the enemy comes in and says, no, there's, that, there's no way. But look at your past. Look at, look at your story. There's no way. God's going to equip you for what? You don't really, you're not really, really, you're not even called in the first place. You, you, you got tricked into this because your mom went to church and you just thought it'd be a good idea if you came to church and you just kind of fell into this thing and God doesn't really call you, doesn't really have a purpose for your life. And that's what the enemy starts to lie to you about. And so you have to ask yourself, what, what words are you focused on? Tonight, what words, you're believing something tonight and what words are you focused on? What are you believing? Are you believing that God has a purpose for your life? Are you believing that God's grace is sufficient for your situation? Are you believing that God's ear is turned towards you when you pray? Are you believing today that your faith can move mountains? Are you believing? Are you believing what God has said about you, that no weapon that's going to be formed against you shall prosper in your life? Are you believing what the Word says, that nothing will ever be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? Are you believing what the Word says, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made? Are you believing what the Word says, when God says, I want to give you a a hope and a future? Are you believing what the word says? Are you believing what the enemy wants you to believe? There is no truth in them. It's the lie. And so we have to see what, 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 what words are we focused on? We're far, fo- focused on the wrong words. So, and then it's, it's God versus the devil. And then let's take it one step further. Then it's, it's positive versus negative. It's positive versus negative. We're just taking it now into into our world, okay? Now, away from, away from the, uh, the, uh, the, the spiritual, if you would, and just, just, just get down into our world today. I just, I just quoted this with Proverbs 18, 21. In the Amplified Version, it says that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it and indulge it will eat its fruit and bear the consequences of their words. Powerful, powerful what we speak, that we will, we will have to live with what we say. We will bear the consequences of the words that we speak. And so we have to see what words are, are we focused on right now? What words are you focused on in your life? Because here's what you'll end up and do. You'll, you'll be around people that are negative, and you'll be around people that tell you that you can't. And, and what you will find is that when people tell you that you can't, sooner or later you'll start saying, I can't. But when you get around people that say you can you can overcome this. You can make it through this. You can, you can. Guess what that turns into? It turns into, I can. Why? Because I'm focused on the right words. I am focused on the positive. I am focused on faith. I am focused on belief. And whenever I am focused on the positive, I get to live in the positive. But whenever I'm focused on the negative, I get to live in the negative, And I'm not interested in living in the negative. That's why Henry Ford said this, whether, believe, whether you believe you can or can't, you're right. That's what Henry Ford said. You know, I believe that's why uh, the car is called the Ford Focus. <laughs> Man, I've been waiting all day for that one. It's the Ford Focus because whatever you focus on, right, is what you're going to get. If you really believe you can, he said, you're right. You can do it. You can overcome. You can find a way. You can make it through. You can get better. You can heal. You can do all. Yes, you. Yes, you can. But if you believe you can't make it, you won't make it. If you believe you're not good enough, you won't be good enough. Whatever you believe, it will happen. So, so we have to ask ourselves, are, are we focused on the right words? And here's another thing that we, we focus on. We, we focus on the wrong things. So we focus on the wrong words sometimes. We get focused on the, what the enemy is saying about us. We get focused in the negative. And, and I don't have to tell y'all, y'all know that we live in a negative world. The, 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 the media is driven by the negative. Social media is pretty much driven by the negative. You don't believe that? Just go home and scroll through your feed and, and compare the positive, uplifting things that people say versus the negative. 
We focus on the wrong things. What, what, do, we, what, do, we, what do we focus on? We, 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 we focus on stuff instead of sin. We focus on stuff. We say, what, what are we talking about? This is what uh, Paul writes to 2 Timothy in, in chapter 2, verse 22. He says, flee the evil desires of youth. Okay? Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So, so, so many times we get, we get focused on the wrong things because we're so concerned about our stuff. We're so concerned about what we have. We're so concerned about what is in our hand, and God's concerned about what's in our heart. And so we, we start focusing on the wrong things when what we should be focusing on is what Paul writes to Timothy and says, hey, guess what you need to focus on? You need to focus on being righteous. You need to focus on faith. You need to focus on loving your enemy and loving the people around you. You need to focus on peace. This is what you need to focus on because this is what people that live with a pure heart are focused on. So many times we just let, we let stuff just get in there. We start focusing on, man, when am I going to get this promotion? I've been with this company forever, and I, just, I'm just, I get so focused on stuff. Man, when am I going to be able to buy this? When am I going to be able to go on another vacation? When am I going to be able to do? And we get so focused on stuff that we don't deal with the sin because you only have so much energy. Do you understand this? You only have so much energy, and you only have so much time, and you can only, you can only think about so much. And so if you're wasting time thinking about stuff, guess what you're not thinking about? You're not thinking about sin. You're not thinking about how can my heart be pure? How can my heart be more like God? How can I be more righteous and have more peace and love more? Because I'm focused on the, the wrong things. Here, here's another thing. What do we focus on? Do we, do we focus on the past? Or do we focus on the present? What are we focused on? We focus on the past or we focus on the present? Well, y'all, you know, one of my favorite scriptures, I have to say this at least once a month in Philippians chapter 3. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I'll press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What does this tell me? It tells me I can't win if I'm not moving forward. I can't focus on the past and move forward. If I'm going to move forward, I've got to focus on today. And you know what the Bible says about today? It says that all things are possible today. It says that change is possible today. Transformation is possible today. You can break bad habits today. You can start loving people you've never loved before today. You can forgive today. You can walk in new grace today. You don't have to be who you were yesterday. It's called the power of today, but so many people live in the past. Living. That's why Paul said, you got to forget that. Put that behind you so that you can move forward and win. I don't know if we got any winners in the house, but I like to win. It sure beats the alternative. <sighs> Who wants to lose? But you know what you're guaranteed to do if you look, if you live in the past, you're guaranteed to lose. Paul gave you the, the key to winning. He said, you got to forget those things that are behind you. Yeah, it may have been painful. Yes, it may have hurt. Yes, I, I, I understand. Yes, it was wrong. Yes, it should have never happened. Yes, yes, yes. But guess what? It's over. It's back there. And you can either keep living there or you can live right now in the present and you can move forward to get everything that God has for you. So you have to say, where is my focus? Am I focused on the right thing being the present or am I focused on the wrong thing being the past? Am I focused on what I can control or am I focused on what I can't control? You know what we love to focus on? We love to focus on those things that we can't control. Man, we love to talk about the stuff that we can't control. We love to complain about the stuff we can't control because what happens when you complain about the stuff that you can control? You got to do something about it. And heaven forbid that we got to do something about it. So let's keep complaining about what we can't control and talk about how bad things are in the company because we can't do anything to change the company. 
but we don't want to we don't want to complain about what we can control because then we are responsible for fixing it. What 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 has our our focus, Paul writes once again in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and he says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. Listen to this. And the Lord's servant must, be, must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, and not resentful. That's powerful. What's he, what's he saying? He's saying, don't get caught up in this game, Timothy, talking about what you can't control. Don't get caught up in these foolish arguments. You can't win a foolish argument. You, you, you understand, you can't win an argument with a fool. Don't get in an argument with a fool because somebody might think you are the fool. You can't win an argument. He's telling him, hey, don't, 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 don't get in that. You, you cannot be quarrelsome. This is what you have to do. You, you have to live in such a way that you're kind to everyone, and, and you got to be able to teach. And this, then he threw this little tag in right at the end, and he said, not resentful. Because if you start quarreling with people, you're going to get resentful at what they said. And when you get resentful at what they said, now you are so bought in and so trapped by this conversation that you couldn't control in the first place. Now you resent what they said. You resent their position. You resent them, their mom, their family, everything they represent, where they went to high school. You resent it all. And it's all because you got involved in an argument that you should have never been in in the first place. Because you're trying to take care of something that you can't control. Listen to this. Focusing on what you can't control will always lead to frustration. Focusing on what you can control will always lead you to elevation. You can't, you, you can't, you, if, if you can't fix it, don't try to talk about it. Because it will only lead you to frustration. I mean, we're what, a few weeks away from the election. Talking about what America needs to do is only going to lead you to frustration. Where, do you want to, where are you going to start? <laughs> I mean, really? Where you, it's only going to lead to frustration. Because guess what? You can't fix it. You can't fix it. But you know what you, know what you can do? You can't fix your house. I'm tempted. To, I'm tempted tonight. I'm, I, feel co- I feel the coach coming over me. Because this is what this is what happens is is we don't want to come, we don't want to talk about our house because then then we got to do something about it. We don't we don't want to talk about the atmosphere of our house, the relationships in our house. We don't want to talk about that because now we got to do something about it. We want to talk about the country and we want to talk about Hillary Clinton and, and Donald Trump and the Republican Party and the Democratic Party and all this craziness and all the madness and healthcare and everything else. We want to talk about that because you sit in your house and you can't do anything about it. But man, you start talking about how you could be a blessing at work. You can do something about that. How you could be more kind to other people around you. You see, now you're talking about things that you can control. And that's what Paul's saying. He's Paul saying, you better get your mind on what you can control. Stop, stop getting into these foolish arguments. Man, I'll just, I'll say this and I'll move on. You know, whenever you go, this is, and I'm, I'm talking to a very spiritual audience, very high level. You love Jesus, and you're very intelligent. But, but, but just be careful, like, what you say on social media, okay? You don't have to tell the whole world what you think about everything on your feed. You don't have to. You don't have to tell them. It's not an obligation, okay? It's not your human duty, okay, to tell everybody what you think about everything. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. Why? Because you're going to say something that's going to what? Start a quarrel. If you go down that route, you're going to say something that's going to start a quarrel. And then you're going to be in a foolish argument. I know. I see it all the time. You get on Facebook and somebody's got like 96 comments on there. Like, how in the world do you got 90? I've never had 96 comments if you combine all the comments ever in my life. Because you say something dumb and now you're in a fight over, over something that you can't control. 
It all started about something you can't control. How about we spend our time on what we can control and we make our lives better, we make our families better, we make our church better, we make our community better, we make our schools better. We make things better. That only happens when you focus on what you can't control and then you get to elevate your life while everybody else is walking around frustrated, mad. I mean, it doesn't matter who wins the election. People are going to be mad. I can't believe this country. You know, just mad, frustrated. And you can just walk around elevated because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not focusing what, on what I can't control. I'm focusing what I can control. So I just keep elevating my life more and more like Jesus, more and more like God. And so I elevate myself, and then you don't have to live in frustration. You can live in elevation. Okay, here, here, here's what one, another thing that we focus on. Are we focused on pain? Are we focused on possibility? Are we focused on pain or are we focused on possibility? The Bible says in Romans 8, 28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Either you, either you believe that or you don't. It says that God causes everything in our lives to work out for our good. Now, that, is, that does not mean that everything that happened to you in your life is good. It does not mean that God caused everything that happened in your life. This is how amazing God is, that God can take the broken pieces of your life. He can take the most hurtful moment of your life. He can take that place that, man, you, it should have never happened. It was wrong. He can take it all, and he can cause it to turn out for your good. But let me tell you who does not get to experience that, people that are only focused on their pain. Because they don't move past that moment. They don't move into the possibility of what God can do. I was just listening to Joyce Meyer. And Joyce Meyer, she shared one of the most amazing stories. And, and, and as she was telling it, I remember reading in her book about it. But, but she, was, um, uh, she was molested by her father growing up. And uh, uh, he was uh, sexually abusive for, for years uh, growing up. And, of course, I mean, now you, you know Joyce Meyer. She's probably the greatest Bible teacher on the planet today. She's amazing. And, and she was telling this story. Her father was 80 years old, 80 years old, the first time that he said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, 80 years old. She had built him a house on her property. She said that for years they, did, they, you know, they didn't talk, they didn't do anything, and then she felt the Holy Spirit saying, I want you to build a house. I want you to take care of your dad when he's dying. I want you to build, build him a house right here on your property. So she built him a house. She paid, she paid for him to have a house that he would come live there with her. And it was during this time of him, of him living here, and she even said, she said, I, 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 thought that I, was, uh, I thought that I was buying a house, but I was actually buying a soul because her father gave his life to Jesus. Amen. Eighty years old, 80 years old, the, 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 the man who abused you, you build a house for him, and then you have the opportunity to win him to Jesus. That, that doesn't happen when you live in your pain. The only way that you get that story is when you begin to focus on the possibility. What could God do with this level of pain? Everybody in this room has been through different levels of pain, different stages of pain, pain in different areas of your life, but, but you will never move into the purpose of God as long as you live in your pain, but you can move into the purpose of God when you begin to realize that there is a possibility that God could use this pain in my life for his kingdom and for his glory and to be a blessing and a breakthrough for somebody else. And when I start seeing the possibility, then I can move forward and see God do great things. But it doesn't happen for those who are only focused on their pain. You've got to be able to move, move through your pain in order to get into, in, into your purpose. So, so we focus on the wrong things. We get tied up in, in the wrong things, and, and, and we waste our energy on, on all of these things. We, we focus on the wrong words. Here's the next thing that, that, we, that, we can get, that we can get tied up in. We can, we can begin to focus on the wrong person. 
we, get, we can start focusing on the wrong person. Remember, we're talking about focus here. Why do we fall? All right, this is what we're talking about. Why do we fall? Okay, we fall because we, we start listening to the wrong words. We start listening to the devil. We start listening to the negativity. We start listening to people say we can't. That's why we fall. Why, why, do, why do we fall? Because we start focusing on the wrong things, right? We start focusing on the wrong things. We, we, we're, living in, we're living in our, our pain. We're, we're not moving forward. We're, we're focusing on what we can't control. That's why we fall. We're focused on stuff and not the sin of our life. That's why we end up in fall. So we're, we're, we're talking about this. Why do we fall? We also fall because we focus on the wrong person. We fall because we, because we judge. We judge others. That's why we fall. We fall because we judge others. This is what the Bible says in Psalm 119, 105. He says, your word is a lamp for my feet, and it's a light for my path. Okay? It's, it, it, your word is the light for, for, for me. You see, God, God is illuminating your pathway. He's illuminating your pathway because you've got enough to focus on on your pathway. He didn't say, I'm coming down and I'm illuminating the pathway for for your neighbor too. You can can look over there and see how good they're doing. He said, no, no, I have have lit the way. I have shown the way for you and for your pathway. I didn't illuminate anybody else's pathway for you but yours. So you just follow the light. Just walk towards the light. You just follow the pathway that he's lit up in front of you. You don't have to judge others. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7. He said, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and you pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. We get, we get so caught up in, in, in judging other people and, and it's not what we were created. You're not created to be the, 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 the Holy Ghost police, okay? That's not, that's not you. And, and if, we, if we were just honest tonight in this Wednesday night crowd, so many times we focus on other people's sin because we don't want to focus on ours. We focus on the stuff that's wrong with them because we don't want to deal with the stuff that's wrong with us. And if I can always point at somebody else's sin, that takes up my mind, it takes up my energy, it takes my mind off of my own stuff, and so I keep judging other people instead of really getting down into my own heart and say, God, I, don't want, I want you to search me, and I'm going to get in this lighted pathway, and I want you to shine your spotlight on me, and I want you to show me every little speck of dust that I have. I want you every little dirt, every little pebble, every little thing that's in my heart that doesn't need to be there. Shine your light on it until I get it out. I'm not worried about anything else in my life. And you'd spend the rest of your life just doing that. Okay, so we, we, we get caught by judging others. And, and, and then we start focusing on the wrong person. So whenever we, whenever we start looking outside of, of our lighted pathway, okay, we start looking at other people. And the first thing we like to do, we like to judge them, okay? But then if we're not judging them, then, then we're doing this. Then we're, Now we're comparing. Okay, if I'm not judging, then I'm comparing. I'm not judging you. I'm comparing myself against you. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, pay careful attention to your own work. Everybody say your own work. Mm-hmm. Your own work. That's just, your, that's just your own work. Just like I said, your own work. You don't need the Greek or the Hebrew or anything. It's just your own work. Pay careful attention to your own work. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. He says, pay careful attention to your own work. Then you're not going to need to compare yourself to other people. You don't have to come, you don't have to, come to church and open up your Bible and see... I wonder how many highlighted colors they have in their Bible. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't have to get on other people's Facebook feeds and say, I wonder how many scriptures they've retweeted this week or how, how many things. No, you don't, have to, you don't have to compare yourself to other people. Why? It's a trap. It's a trap that you're going to eventually fall because you know what? You might, you might do that for a little while to make yourself feel better because other people aren't spiritual. Then what's going to happen whenever you run into somebody who's more, got more highlight than you got? 
I mean, you got like 12 weeks in a row you've had the most highlights, and you sit next to somebody in that 13th week, you look over there, their Bible's falling apart. They got notes all on the side, highlighted. I mean, just, they, 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 their, their Bible's like six Bibles in one because it's been falling out, and they just keep putting it back in there together. And you're going to walk up and be like, oh, man, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not where I need. I'm, that's not the kind of Christian I need to be. Why? Because you started comparing yourself. You're focused on the wrong person. Focus on your own conduct, your own prayer. Your own Bible reading, your own kindness, your own self-control. Focus on you. Just do what you do. Focus on the right person. But, but we start focusing on the wrong. And now, now here's, here's probably my favorite one right here. We focus on, on our other self. On our other self. Y'all know what I'm talking about, that false self. The self that we intend to be. Not the self that we actually are. This is what Paul writes in Romans 12, uh, verse 3. Romans 12, 3. Because of the privilege and the authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. So when the Apostle Paul says, I give you a warning, pay attention. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Don't think that you are better than you are. See, so, so many times we, we focus on, on the other person. We, we focus on the person. You know, you, you, there's a, that saying that says you, you, judge, you judge others by their actions, but you judge yourself by your intentions. Because I didn't, I didn't really intend to be late to the meeting, right? But then somebody walks in late, you're like, oh, they probably just out there goofing off. You know, they just being late. But, 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 but you're judging yourself by your intention, them by their actions. And, and that's what we love to do. We, we, lo- we love to, to focus on the other self, the, 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 the one that we know we could be, the, know the, the one that we intend to be, the, the one that we wished we were, the one that we are in our minds and in our dreams, and, and that, that person that we see ourselves being one day, but we're not there yet. And so we focus on the other person. And the reality is, is the person that you are right now is dysfunctional in a few areas, is discouraged in a few areas, is not where you need to be. But we keep pretending that I'm this person over here. And as long as you're pretending to be this person and you're not admitting that you're actually this person, guess what? You're going to fall. You're going to fall. The person that's honest in their evaluation of themselves says, you know what, man, I've got, I've got this area, man, and I've got this area, and I've got this area, man, I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm fighting and I'm working, but man, I'm just, I'm not there. I'm really struggling in this area. I'm, I'm going to give some attention and some focus over here in this area because I'm not where I want to be. But this person over here is saying, oh, you know, trying, trying, to, trying to pretend because they're focusing on this false, this false self and they're trying to be this person. This person is doomed to fall because you're not being honest. Not being honest about your evaluation. And so, so we, get, we get trapped by, we, we start focusing on the wrong things. We, we, we focus, we focus on, on the wrong person. We focus on the wrong things. We focus on the wrong words. And, and, and let me just give you the, the, the second one real quick. So the first one is, is the focus. And yes, it is an acrostic for the word fall. Okay, I know. It's, it is. It is. It is. You don't have to guess. Okay, it is. It is. So here's number two. Uh, the, a, the A is for attitude. Okay, the A is for attitude. The A is for attitude. Why do we fall? Why do we fall? The first thing is, is, our, is our focus just gets off. You know, and it's okay to admit that your focus gets off. You know, it's okay. It's okay to say, man, my focus is off. I, whew, man, I've, I've, I've started believing some of the wrong words. It's okay to say, man, my focus got off. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm so much more concerned right now about stuff than I am actually about the sin in my heart. Like, I, golly, I got to get my focus back. It's, it's okay. As long, as long as you're aware of your focus, you're going to be okay. But it's whenever we begin to ignore our focus and we lose focus and we start focusing only on the wrong stuff, that's whenever we fall. And, and then we fall when our attitude, you know, it's cheesy, but it's true. Your attitude determines your altitude. Okay, I know it's cheesy and it's on every poster since 1983, but let me tell you, it, it, it is true. Your attitude will determine your altitude. How high you go, how much you achieve, 
how, how, how much you accomplish, how high you go in your life, it will be determined by your attitude. This is what attitude, the definition for attitude is your manner, disposition, feeling, position, with regard to a person or a thing, tendency or orientation, especially of the mind. Your attitude, it's your manner, the disposition, the position of your mind. And you know what I found so interesting? That the root word for the word that, that, we, that we take, our word attitude, it comes from a Latin word, aptus, which means fit. It means fit. You get attitude, and it comes from the word fit, which then was, was, was used in a few more words as, as, as through the course of time, and, and it kind of turned into fitness um, or, or posture. Uh, and, and so whenever I just I start thinking about that word, the, the, the word for our attitude comes from this word that originally meant fit. And so I started thinking about what does it mean to be fit? What does it mean to, to have physical fitness? And it just means that uh, physical fitness, it's just your ability to carry out tasks uh, with, without undue fatigue. That I don't get, I don't get weary. I, I can pass a physical fitness test. I can do so many push-ups in a minute, so many sit-ups in a minute. I can run a mile so fast. I can do these things. That's my physical fitness. I, I, I am not, I am not succumbing to the fatigue that is trying to get on me. I can push through this. And and the fact that your attitude is tied to the same root word that is fit and fitness, it means that I've got an attitude that says I will not succumb to the pressure. I will not succumb to the environment. I will not succumb to the difficulty. I will not succumb to the test. I will pass. Why? Because I am physically fit. Therefore, I have a good attitude. So it's an amazing parallel there. The Bible says in Proverbs 17, 22, that a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit zaps a person's strength. A cheerful heart it, it, it's like medicine. It keeps you healthy. A good attitude keeps you healthy. A smile. I can tell you there is nobody in this world that has smiled more in their lifetime than my mom. She has set the world record for smiles. I, I've known, I mean, I'm telling you all my life, I've, I've, she smiles. She smiles more than anybody. She's a smiler. She's smiling right now on the front row. She can't help it. She's just, she is a smiler. Why? A cheerful heart, man, it does you good. A great attitude. It's like medicine. It feeds your spirit and it feeds your soul. But it says here, a broken spirit that it, it saps, it sucks your strength right away. What is that? A broken heart, a broken spirit, a bad attitude. It will actually steal your strength away. And so in the moment when you need great strength, in a moment that you need some stamina, in the moment that you got to push through and it's not there, why? Because you had a bad attitude, and your altitude is determined by your attitude, and because you didn't have an attitude, here we are, we're stuck on ground zero. We're stuck on, we're stuck on level one. We can't ever get up because we don't have the right attitude because it takes strength and stamina to get there. What does it take? It takes me being physically fit. I will not succumb to the pressures. I will not succumb to the test. I will not succumb. I will find my way to get over it, and the only way I do that is with attitude. Attitude. If we don't have the attitude, we're, we're guaranteed to fall. Your attitude is too important to allow it to be impacted by your environment. It's too important for you to allow it to be impacted by others. It's too important for you to allow it to be impacted uh, by your problems. It is too important. You cannot allow your attitude to be affected by anything, but you have to allow your attitude to affect everything in your life. I don't care what I run into. It's not going to affect my attitude. It doesn't matter what problem I am presented with. It's not going to get my attitude because my attitude is the key to me not falling. If I give into a bad attitude, I'm going to fall. And you know what? I don't want to live my life falling down. I don't want to live there. So I've learned that I'm going to have a good attitude. And when I have a good attitude, I've got strength to run and to be fit. Learn, learn, to, have, learn to have the right attitude. Okay, learn to have the right attitude on, on the plateaus of life. Okay, let's just let's talk about life for a minute. We we have some mountaintops, okay? We have some mountaintop experiences, okay? And and then we go down and maybe we have some valleys. But you know where most life is lived? 
Most life is lived right here on the plateau. That's where most of life is lived. Man, you know what we're thankful for, for the mountaintop moments? Nobody likes to be here in the valley, but can I tell you this? Learn how to have a good attitude in the plateau, in the mundane, in the normal. Learn how to have a great attitude whenever things are just it's just Monday, and then it's just Tuesday, and the kids are going to school, and it's just, everything's normal. You're just you're, you're, you're clocking in, you're clocking out. There is no crisis. There is no great glory moment. It's just life. It's just normal. Learn to have a great attitude on the plateau because, let me tell you, sooner or later, you are going to a valley. That's why Jesus said, hello. Hey, let me tell you, in this world, you will have trouble. And the last time I checked, all of us are still in this world. So we have to expect trouble. We have to expect a crisis. We have to expect a difficulty. And when you get in the valley, you know what you need to get out of that valley. You need strength. You need stamina. You need perseverance. You need some endurance. But you won't have it if you don't have a good attitude. You don't learn to have an attitude in the valley, folks. This is where you learn to have a, have a good attitude in the plateau. No, everybody has a good attitude on the mountaintop. Okay, the most ungodly, the, the most vile, the, the worst person on the planet, they, they, know, they, they know how to have a good attitude on the mountaintop. When everything's going good, they know how to have a good attitude. Don't judge yourself by how you act on the mountaintop. Don't judge yourself by your attitude when you get the best news ever. Judge yourself right here on the plateau. What is my attitude day in and day out? Does my attitude look like this? I'm, I'm good on, on Tuesday, but, man, I'm down on Wednesday, and I'm back up for Thursday and Friday, down on Saturday and Sunday, and my plateau just looks like this. I'm on this emotional roller coaster, up and down, up and down. No, 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 no. It's going to sap your strength, and sooner or later, you're going to end up here in the valley when times get tough, and you're going to need that attitude. And you know what? It's not going to be there because you learn in the plateau how to have a good attitude every single day. And so you get in the valley, and instead of pushing through the valley, because here's what, on the, on the other side of every valley is always a mountaintop. In every valley, there's always a mountain. That's what makes it a valley. There's a mountain. Okay, so every valley is going to end up, you're going to end up back here at some point. This might, be, this might be six days. This might be 60 days. This might be six years, heaven forbid. But one day you're going to get back up on the mountaintop. It's going to happen. If you have a good attitude. If you get here in the valley and you don't know how to have a good attitude, you're going to be stuck there a lot longer than you need to be. Because you're not going to have the strength and the stamina you need to make it through. On the other side, I'll close out with this, with this thought. On the other side of what you hate is where you will discover what makes you great. On the other side of what you hate, you will typically discover what will make you great. You hate to read? You start reading? Probably your greatness is on the other side of what you hate. You, 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 hate, you hate to exercise. You hate to discipline your children. You hate not being in control. You hate talking to other people. You hate being uncomfortable. Whatever it is that you look at and you say, I hate doing that. Chances are the, 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 the possibility of you being great will not be realized until you embrace what you hate. When you embrace what you hate. And here's why, here's why I know this. Because people don't embrace what they hate. That's why when you look around, you don't see a lot of great people because they haven't learned how to embrace what they hate. They ignore what they hate. They walk around what they hate. They avoid what they hate. They hide from what they hate, but they don't embrace what they hate. I say you ought to do something that you hate doing every day just for your own self, just for you, just so you can learn how to do what you hate to do. You don't like eating broccoli? Eat a piece of broccoli every day. You don't, like, you don't like drinking orange juice? Get you a big glass every morning. You got to do, do stuff just to embrace it. Just to say, I'm not going to let what I hate keep me from being great. 
I'm not going to let it happen. You see, most people, they refuse to do what they hate. And so they never tap into that potential on the inside of them that would make them great. But here's what I can tell you. The only way that you can do what you hate is when your attitude is bigger than your challenge. It's the only way. It's the only way that you can embrace what you hate. It's the only way that you can start reading and you hate to read. It's the only way that you can start volunteering when you hate to volunteer. It's the only way that you can start doing things you hate is whenever you realize that my attitude is bigger than my challenge. My attitude is bigger than my issue. My attitude is bigger than that. And and I am going to embrace whatever it is that's trying to cause that resistance in my life. Philippians chapter 4, last scripture, and we'll pray. It says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. You, you realize you got you to fix your thoughts. The way that you were born is not the right way. Okay? You were born again, and after you were born again, you have to fix your thinking. Okay, so this is a, a dual meaning here. You got to fix your thoughts and then you fix it by, by putting it on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you have learned. So it's not just thinking, it's practice. It's not just thinking, it's action. But whenever you start putting, whenever you get your thinking right and you start getting the right actions, then what does he say here? He says, then the God of peace will be with you. When you start thinking the right things and you start doing the right things, then you access the God of peace. Where does that come from? Where does my thinking come from? Where does my action come from? It comes from your attitude. When you learn to have a great attitude, you'll always think the right stuff. Because thinking the wrong stuff will ruin my attitude. So every day, why do we do these declarations? Man, I'm so excited, man. People, people send me pictures now. Of uh, us, man, somebody in, in our church got, got our declaration put on a huge board that's hanging up in their kids' room. Our, our Sunday morning, you know what we say every Sunday morning, you know, I'm a child of God, I'm loved, adored. They, they, I mean, it, it's massive, it's huge. Got it hand done and put it in their kids' room. They, they say it every day. Some people wrote it, uh, the people built a new house, and they put it on the foundation. They wrote it, took a picture of it, put it on the foundation. Somebody wrote it on the door frame uh, of their house, on the front door of their house. They were building a house, and they put it on the, on the frame of the front door, wrote the entire declaration. Why? Why do, why do, we, why do we do that? Why do we, why do we, why do we say that? Why, why, is that? why is that so important? Uh, it to us is because it puts me in the right attitude. That's what leaning in is all about, getting in the right attitude. So you know what? I got to lean in every day. I got to get my mind right every morning. That's why, I, that's why I have to talk to myself. And all those declarations that I give you, those are things I've been saying all my life because I've got to put myself in the right mindset. Why? Because whenever I encounter life, I'm going to encounter problems. I'm going to encounter difficulties. And I can't let that affect my attitude. The only way I'm going to make it through is if i got the right attitude. The only way I'm going to get through it is if my attitude is giving me the strength and the fitness that I need to push through. And so I've got to get my mind and I've got to get my thoughts on the right thing. And I've got to get my actions for So my attitude will always be what I need it to be so I can handle whatever the day is going to bring me. I don't let the day bring me something to go, oh, what am I going to do about that? Man, something shows up and I punch it in the mouth. Why? Because I got my mind right in the morning. Because it's about my attitude and I'm not going to let anything determine my attitude. But if you, don't, if you don't focus on your attitude, if you don't pay attention to your attitude, guess what? You're determined to fall. You'll fall. You will fall if, if, if your attitude is not, is not creating strength and stamina and fitness on the inside of you. You'll fall. You're destined to fall. It's not an if, maybe, possibly. You will fall. If you do not have the right attitude, you will fall. You will trip and you will fall. And so come back next week for the L's. Hey man, why don't we stand up tonight? Thanks for listening today. We hope you were encouraged by the Word of God. If you'd like more information on North Point Community Church, you can find us online at www.northpoint.ccpeople.com.